God is with us, that our AV team is right there beside us. Thank you so much. <laughs> of all the things that go through my head and I sort of process before I come up here, sometimes that little green button is the last one. Um, in fact, I love their spirit, uh, their raised hands in the back. I'd like to see more of that uh, when, I, when we're worshiping, but we can talk about that later, ladies. <laughs> um, our, our year and the theme for the year is to respond, um, to respond in a number of different ways. Um, the church is challenged, the church has presented opportunities, and, and we should be honored to, to sit here this morning and be, um, be put in a place where we have an opportunity to respond, an opportunity from God to respond, to respond to VBS, to respond by collecting quarters that represents children being fed in a place where it's more likely that people go hungry then they are full. I don't know if you fully understand the response of those quarters and, and, and how easy that was for us to give in this way, but it represents something very, very important to life. Just sustenance, just food and water. The idea that you won't be ashamed to, have, um, to go to school and not have food with you. That people around the world and the brotherhood of believers think your lives are important enough to dedicate some time and attention to that. I hope, I hope we're blessed with more opportunities to respond in this way. Brother Harry, I hope that you're, you see this and you're giving us more chances to do these type of things because we need these reminders. You need to turn on the news and see a nation in peril. Not just because of poor political leaders or not because the... Um, the, the sin that's, that's taken over someone's life to, to murder someone in charge, but a place that needs God more than ever, in a place that is not void of God, but a place where God maybe just isn't prioritized in the right areas enough. We've been blessed with that far too long here in our nation, and I think we've forgotten the importance of one nation under God, in God whom we trust. We have an opportunity this morning to look at this slide, and Elijah, I appreciate you asking me, what are the seeds for? What are the seeds for? What are those? I would say they're supposed to represent mustard seeds, and we've said already, and I think um, Chad Fordyce reminded us, those are soybeans. I've seen enough soybeans to know that that's, that looks like a soybean. It doesn't matter. Those are seeds, church, and our year of response is to lead us into a year of sowing seed. And sometimes it takes a year for us to realize that we need to respond so we'll know where to, where to scatter those seeds. Because we cannot reap the harvest of God's blessings in our lives, in our community, or in the lives of this world unless we're brave enough to throw out the seeds that the Lord has given us. This morning, you're going to be reminded again of our BBS, fire and flood. Opportunities for our kids to learn about parting the Red Sea, about fire from heaven, about the ark, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Some really neat opportunities. In fact, I remember um, specific VBSs growing up where we had um, specific themes, and those things still, still um, are in my brain even at this old age of 40-something. Um, I don't even know if I can recall my actual age this morning. I put my brains in so many places. But VBS is one of those uh, fond reminders. And it's not just for the kids, adults. 
Those kids and those parents need to know when they drop their kids off, there is a family of kids and adults waiting to embrace them, to walk them through some of these stories, to let them hear about the goodness of God, maybe for the first time in some ways that you would be shocked that maybe children haven't heard about the story of the Noah's Ark before. But it's possible. It's possible they could hear about the goodness of God for the first time here in our building. What a blessing. What an opportunity to respond. Sound the alarm, church. I chose this passage out of Joshua because I knew this story wasn't going to be one of the ones we focused on um, in our VBS time, and I didn't want to, to take away from that attention from all the planning and preparation for those other stories, but I thought, in my mind, sounding the alarm, what would that be like? And in Joshua chapter 6, we see that. If you um, notice, 6.30 to 8.30, we're here for VBS. That doesn't leave a, a lot of time for small groups this evening. In fact, there are no small groups uh, meeting, but there are small group guides out front. I printed out a few less today, but if you want to take one of those home and go over that with your family, maybe in your own personal Bible study time, and, and ask yourself some of these questions, um, they're, they're very timely. They, they work out really well this week. Um, I appreciate um, you trying to take that opportunity. We're going to sound the alarm this morning. Church, I'm going to ask you to be patient with me. I'm a preacher that doesn't use notes that often. I have them. Um, I carry them around more so, so I have something to do with my hands. I write down almost every thought that sort of floods my mind in preparation for worship and sort of given me an opportunity to let the Spirit sort of just use me as an empty vessel when I get up here. But, uh, but, uh, but an opportunity like this morning with, the, with as many things as we have going on and, and my heart pulled in a direction that's just, it's hurt. I'm going to look at my notes a little more. I also have 26 slides, so I, it says move quickly, minutes per slide. If I'm, not, um, if I'm not paying attention, Goose, you know very well I could go all day. And I, I mean, this may not be that chance. I appreciate our young folks being here in awake. That's two weeks worth of camp already for some of you. Just came back from Western Kentucky Youth Camp. And some that are going to spend that third week at the Boot Hill um, camp there. So um, we have a, a big summer. Our kids have been um, sounding the alarm or learning about reasons to sound the alarm. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 27, it says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So God chose the weak things of the world to shame those that are strong or the strong. God uses weakness to show his power. He uses our foolishness to show his wisdom. And this morning, I want you to know that God loves long shots. God loves long shots. God frustrates the odds makers, those who think they have it figured out, those whose wisdom tells them that this is how God is going to intervene. This is what God is going to do. God would never take someone that I love early in their life and put us in a place of mourning. God has a plan, and oftentimes we do not understand. And God's power is best shown when our guard is down, when we are at our weakness, when his power needs to be shown the most. God loves the long shots, and not just to prove a point of his power and his wisdom, but to show you what you're capable of through his power and his wisdom. God loves you, the long shot. If you're feeling this morning like you don't fit in, you don't feel a part of what's going on, if our young folks or families come in here this week and they think, how, should, how do I fit into this place? 
It's such a nice building. Everyone seems like they have their stuff together. Can we remind them this morning? Can we remind them this week that we may, we may not have it all figured out? That we, even the most prepared, even the most biblically wise, get shook and need the God of all creation to settle us. God loves the long shot. So in Joshua chapter 6, we're, we're put in a place where we see uh, uh, Joshua in this story as a long shot. The gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. Israel was unproven. This is their first opportunity as God's people, children of God, to be put into battle and to, and to allow God to show great things through them. But they're unproven. Now the walls of Jericho are unbeaten. No one went out or came in. Undefeated, Jericho was. And Joshua and the Israelites, unproven. Maybe the Israelites. Joshua has been proven to be a, a mighty warrior. We see in Exodus 17 that he, he was able to conquer because Moses was able to keep his arms up, and then people were able to support that effort, and Joshua was that, Joshua was that mighty warrior. But God's power was the deliverer. Then the Lord said to Joshua, I'll look this way a hundred times and never see the sides, but that's okay. <laughs> he said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. If you could see that orange, I have delivered, that's important. It's important to know that in the Hebrew, I have delivered is a prophetic, perfect tense. It's a literary technique in, Bible, in the Bible to show you that future events are so certain to happen that they're referred to in the past. I have delivered. It hasn't happened yet, but it's already done. Our God is that powerful. Our God is that good all the time. And we need to know that the prophecies leading to this point in our lives tell us that God has delivered. He delivered the Israelites in many cases. He delivered mankind from the beginning to say, you will fall to sin, but Satan's head will be crushed. God has delivered that prophecy. Jesus conquered death. We celebrated that meal and that communion today to remind us that God is that good in our lives. Even when times are tough, the prophecies tell us, I have delivered, not you have delivered. You may spread the seeds of that prophecy, but you cannot fulfill it yourself. You need God's prophetic perfectness to do that. So this reminder of God loving the underdog, the long shot, reminds them very early in this process, I've already done the hard work. Faith, well, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we have not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Even though you haven't seen God's will, you can trust it will be done. Even though you haven't seen it, church, you can trust it will be done. Even when your heart and your mind are conflicted with loneliness and despair, no, it has been accomplished that faithful people go to heaven and they are in the arms of Christ because they trust in the will of God. God's goodness is shown through his trust. So trust is everything. In your relationships with your significant other, with your spouse, with your family, with your boss, with your coworkers, trust is everything. And when you break trust, relationship is hard to get back. 
So this morning, there are three things I want you to trust in. Trust in God's plan. Trust in God's plan when it doesn't match your own wisdom because God's wisdom makes you look foolish. Trust in God's timing. His, his clock has, has or your, your timing has no bearing on God's plan. His clock is independent and is perfect. In his timing, he will accomplish his plans. And trust in God's voice. God speaks to you. He speaks to you through the word, through the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you in the songs that we sing. He speaks to you in his creation and the reminders of his goodness and his power and his might. And he speaks to you this morning in Joshua chapter 6 to let you know that we can be mighty warriors with God on our side. So trust is everything. God's plan, God's timing, and God's voice this morning. In Joshua chapter 6, those are all those neat transitions that I accidentally put in there. <laughs> I can laugh at myself, church. I hope you can laugh at me as well. Sometimes um, we need that. In Joshua chapter 6, the Bible says, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. When the, when, and, excuse me, with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear the, the sound of a long blast of trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. We see that God is specific in his requests, and we see that he is a deliverer for those who trust in him. And in this case, this makes no sense. You have Joshua, the mighty warrior, who has already conquered in battle, God, why can't you just have one of us hold our arms up and do what you've done before? Because that's not God's plan this time. And to do that, in an instant, isn't God's timing either. So listen to the voice of God. He may adjust his strategies in your life. What worked for you yesterday may not work for you today, and what worked for you today may not work for you tomorrow, but God works all the time. So pay attention to his word and don't just assume that because you're a faithful person, he's going to give you and deliver you the same way every time. You will be challenged by God's plan and God's timing. But God's voice, God's voice will lead you to trusting in him. So we see the plan and the timing specifically laid out. Six days, and then on the seventh, you will be delivered. And it's still difficult. Because God's plans do not line up with contemporary wisdom. Think about it for a minute. What about our world makes God make sense? What wisdom do we find independent of Scripture in our world that makes God make sense? Nothing. God isn't here to make sense to the world. He's here for the world to find sense in His wisdom, in His plans. So God has the, has the freedom to adjust and to change and to show you his full repertoire of his power. Because what works for you may not make sense to someone else. But God's wisdom in all things, God's plans won't line up with what the world tells you makes sense. It didn't make sense here. The Israelites struggled with it throughout their journey. And I'm sure at this case, there were some detractors. There were some that were kind of looking around like, Okay, day one, 
this makes sense. We'll show that we are going to be diligent and march around the city. We'll even look for cracks in the wall. We'll show that we are, we are um, we're able to follow our leaders. And we'll show our mighty power and, and our meager numbers, but we'll be prepared and we'll be diligent. Okay, keep doing that six straight days. Isn't there an adjustment? Maybe we should turn the heat up a little bit? No. Follow my plan and my will. And in the end, you won't find this crack or this weakness or the chink in the armor. No. You're going to sound, sound the horns, you're going to shout, and you're going to sound the alarm. And you're going to show not just God's plan, God's timing, and God's voice, but God is on the move. Jericho needed that lesson. The world needs a reminder that the walls of Jericho were not meant to be rebuilt. That, the, that Jericho as a city was not to be powerful again, to not to represent anything greater than what it did in this moment. That God is greater than the most powerful things of the world. But people rebuild cities. They try to show their, their power in their, um, in their planning, in their wealth. We seem like one of those nations that may need a reminder of why um, our walls being torn down is so important. Because we build up barriers all the time with our own power and our own wisdom and our own goodness. And we lose track of God's. God's plans do not line up with our contemporary wisdom. So let's not blame this on our community or our culture. Let's, let's, it, let's think about this for ourselves. In what ways do we look at God and expect him to show us his goodness through the power of the world? In what ways do we, do we blame God for not having the right job, our relationships not working out? In what ways do we, we get mad at God when things happen in a way that we're not comfortable with? That's not the way we should look at God. Don't look at God to fulfill you through the world. The world, the world is here for God's fulfillment, for his plans and his timing. So when you think of all the things that you hope to accomplish, if those things are worldly and not eternal, if those things are, are selfish and not and involving the fellowship, the body, the community, the kingdom, go back to school, church. Get back in the word. Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, on your own under, lean not on your own understanding. Submit all your ways to him and he will make your path straight. All your heart. Trusting in him above yourself. Trusting in him in all your ways. We're, we're called to be a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12. To be poured out daily. To be alive on the altar and committed Self-controlled enough to stay there, to be killed, to, to allow some of us to die daily, to be transformed, to be like Christ. The world tells us that's not, even, that's not even something you should have to go through. Just tell the rest of the world that God made you that way. And the things that you struggle with, God must have given you those things for a reason. No. God's given us struggles to show his power and his goodness. And even in the life of Job, when everything was taken from him, he saw the great comforter in a way that he would have never seen it before. He didn't clearly understand it, but when he saw it, he knew it. And in our mourning, this is an opportunity for us to be challenged to see God's goodness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Repeat after me, church, trust God. Trust God. Look to your neighbor and say, trust God. Trust God. Trust God.
Without trust in God, you have nothing. Without trust in God, we have nothing. So Joshua commanded the armies. He said, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until I tell you to shout. Then shout. Joshua is very specific in this case. God is specific in what he's going to do to deliver them. Even after he delivers them, he's very specific. God's word is very specific to say what you're to do with all those who inhabit that land. All those things that represent that culture, that community. They're to be burned up. They're they're to die by the sword. God is very specific in his ways. We don't understand those ways. Think about those ways for a minute. That's men and women and children who suffer at the hands of this army for the glory of God. I don't understand that wisdom. We don't have enough time this morning for me to describe it or to explain it. But it is God's way. And maybe very simply, a way for God to establish his people, independent of the distractions of the world. Wiped clean from everything that could be a stumbling block in your life. Every person, everything, every, every idol that you may carry in your life, to lay that on the altar. When God says something is not for you, God is trying to protect you. There are times where God will give you the world, but tell you, don't eat of that fruit. And to trust God in those moments. Why would a God who wants to give me everything hold this back? Because some things are not for you. Even the things that the world tells you that you can have, that you can partake in, that it's okay, and it's kind of weird to talk about, God says, no, that is not for you. We talked in our, in our youth classes this morning about sin and creating barriers, creating some strongholds in our life that protect us from the things that are not meant for us. And our world, have a, our world has a number of damaging things that creep into your mind and linger there forever. It's very difficult to get some of those images of sin erased from your mind. Even, even when you've been forgiven, you've confessed, you've repented, you've been washed clean. Satan lingers in the mind. All the more reason to be in touch with God's voice, the word of God. And in God's word, there are things that are not meant for you. Things of this world. Things that the world will tell you are just normal things you should indulge in. God is trying to protect you. So then they burned the whole city and everything in it. They put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron into a treasury of the Lord's house. And Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. There was a promise made to Rahab for her commitment. And God spared her. God fulfilled that promise. Trust God's plan even when it's unconventional, even for a prostitute. Yes, God has plans for the prostitutes. Trust God's timing, his wisdom, and his grace. Even for the prostitutes, yes, God has grace for the prostitutes. God has grace for you, the sinner, because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe in different ways, and maybe some ways that aren't as publicly shameful. God has a plan for us. 
God redeems people out of a world marked for destruction. We know the world is going to burn. We understand in the end times, God has no plans for this world. But he's ready to redeem you. In fact, he already has made plans. He has already conquered Satan, and your redemption is found in the blood of Jesus. God has marked all people worthy of redemption. In a world marked for destruction, and it's more clear now than ever and will only become more clear the longer you live, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. And even the greatest and good things that we see that the world can give us pale in comparison to God's goodness. And the redemption found in Jesus Christ is for all people. All people. We need to sound the alarm about that message this week to some kids who may be in our building that aren't loved enough by their parents. Not because their parents are evil, but maybe their parents weren't shown love by their parents. Maybe they don't have parents. Maybe their situations are different than what we understand. Redemption is still valuable to those people. Repeat after me, specificity. Yeah, right? Let's do that again. Specificity. Look at your neighbor and say, specificity. God has a specific plan for his will to be done. He has specifically told us what to take and what to leave alone. He has told us what is good for us and what will destroy our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Our God has given us free will, but specifically asked for us to humble ourselves and not partake in everything that we can, but be self-controlled and be transformed like Jesus Christ, who died willingly on a cross without sin for our lives, for the lives of all people. God is specifically good to us when he does not have to be. So when you feel bad or challenged by the word to specifically follow it in ways that you don't feel comfortable, you're in the right place because there's no comfort in Christianity in this world because our world, this world is not our home. The Lord, he was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. Why does Joshua show why does, why does the Lord show Joshua so much grace? Because of his goodness? Maybe. Because he's a mighty warrior? Maybe. I don't know if he conquered any, any army or, 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 or won any battles on his own without God's power, without God's plan. We're reminded that Jesus and you in a crowd is the majority. God with Joshua could do whatever he wanted to accomplish. And you and Jesus, you can accomplish all things. We are more than conquerors, Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39. Remind us of that. Because God has delivered. Why is Joshua such a mighty warrior? One that God is willing to, to, um, to brag about, to show to all the worlds? Because in chapter 5, before the battle began... We see Joshua as a humble man. When he was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua, Joshua went up and asked him, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence 
and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? He didn't try to convince this man that he was some mighty warrior. Haven't you already heard the stories of what happened in Exodus chapter 17 for us? That as long as Moses' arms were up, I was able to, to defeat anyone before me? No, he fell face down and says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua understood God's plan. He understood his position in the army and he knew as mighty as he was, he was nothing without God and God knew, I can make this man famous for his humility and his servant heart, for his self-control and his wisdom in following my plan when it was absolutely ridiculous. Maybe God directs us in paths that are kind of crazy, kind of strange, absolutely ridiculous, so he can see how on board we really are. So if something in your life, a decision that you're making, through prayer and study of the word, looks kind of strange, follow that path in prayer and study of the word. Don't listen to the detractors, those who have it all figured out, because God is prepared to make them look foolish. When God gives you a victory, it's important to trust, continue to trust in him. Joshua does that. He's found victorious many times in scripture, and he continues to be humble servant of God in his victories. Our one simple truth this morning, the greatest wisdom is found in the Lord. The greatest wisdom is found in the Lord. It's not in our own understanding. It's not found in the world. It's not found in the greatest scholars, the, 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 the geniuses that are, that are out, uh, that their, their, their theories and, their, and their, their, their ideas have been, have been published and put out for the world to know. It's in our God, who in his plan, his timing, and in his voice are perfect. Our one simple truth reminds us that God's victories are our, our opportunities to share his goodness because our God is good all the time. Leave no unguarded place this morning, church. Leave no place that allows weakness for the soul. If your unguarded place is at home alone, then don't put yourself in that position. If your unguarded place is around friends or in a fellowship of unbelievers that challenge you to do things that are tempting and sinful, do not fellowship in those places. If your unguarded place is found skipping church and, and avoiding church activities because it hurts too much to talk about, challenge yourself to be in those places because God's wisdom is found in those places and not in our world. We offer an invitation every, every Sunday an opportunity to come forward, to be baptized, to become a believer, to become someone who trusts fully in God's plan, his timing, and God's voice. We offer the waters of baptism an opportunity to let sin go in our lives and to face the reality of the battle of removing sin from our minds daily to challenging Satan and to reminding the, the one who can destroy everything, that our God has already destroyed him. Our one simple truth, God needs you to trust in him and his word specifically. Trust in him specifically. Respond this week by sounding the alarm to our community in VBS. Sounding the alarm of God's goodness at your work, to your friends, 
to whoever's listening online, Satan is dead and God is good. Sound the alarm to those who are in trouble, to those who are seeking clarity, to those who are rejoicing, and to those in mourning, angry at sin and death this morning. Sound the alarm that God is victorious over death. And that those that we love are waiting. Those who are redeemed are waiting for us to join the celebration eternally in heaven. You young folks have seen it this week. Number of baptisms. A number of young folks deciding to walk with Christ in their lives. And us old folks have seen it throughout our lives. Many of us have participated in it. But it's still tough sometimes to see God's wisdom in things that we don't understand. Trust God and in him specifically because he, he will deliver us. Church, if you have a need this morning, whether it's public in nature or a chance to respond, to sound the alarm to your world that I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, I want to repent of my sins. I want to turn away from a life that is, that is, that is found in, 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 in the world and the temptations that are there. And I want to follow you and you alone, God, or privately, with one of our elders in the back, one of our church leaders to say, what struggles do you have? And how can we be in prayer this morning?